tell you this much. Whenever I hear songs like God Bless America, who was written by uh, an immigrant, Irving Berlin, or when I hear Lee Greenwood's God Bless the USA, or even the national anthem, um, you want to see a Marine cry? That's, what, that's what's going to happen, okay? That right there. But I'm not going to talk about the 4th of July, Independence Day, fireworks, hot dogs, apple pie, or that stuff today. Talk to me later. I'll tell you all about what you want to hear or what you don't want to hear. But we're going we're gonna to go through the book of Acts. Uh, before we begin, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to let you speak through me. And I ask that every word that I speak is from you and nothing from me. In Jesus' name, amen. So the book of Acts, we're getting familiar with it. Most of you have read it many times, okay? How many of you have ever heard of Peter? Oh, just a few of you. Okay, we'll talk about him today then. Uh, so in Acts 12, I'll read the first three verses here. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that this had met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, I titled this sermon with two, two, two uh, titles. One, you've got more. And when I talk about you've got more, I'm talking about you've got more power than you realize, okay, through the power of the Holy Spirit. But I also said, you prayed for this, okay? Uh, under the, under the un understanding of be careful what you wish for because you just might get it good and hard, okay? And sometimes you pray for it, you expect it, you know it, it happens, and you're thinking, what? What happened? You prayed for this. So anyway, so at, at this first three verses, let's understand it's been about a year since Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, rose from the dead, and was about to ascend into heaven. Because this is the time of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is prior to the Passover, which was the time that Jesus was betrayed and murdered and, and rose again. So a year has passed, all right? And this point right now is about the time when we're also seeing that the church is doing more than just growing, it's multiplying, okay? Let me, let me put it this way, okay? How many of you have two children, all right? That is growing. How many of you have four children or more? Okay, that is multiplying, all right? This is what happens when the Holy Spirit works through the church and starts to get to that point where the church grows more than just adding, it multiplies. So the church has been multiplying at this point, okay? And at this point now, this is the sixth time that the word church has been mentioned. It is now an established thing. It's not a denomination, thank God. It's not an organization. That's a human thing. It is a church. It is the body of Christ. The body of believers have gotten together, okay? So Herod decides he's going to get in on the action. Remember just a couple chapters ago what was happening. They stoned Stephen. And now, of course, they put uh, James, the brother of John, to death. And Herod's saying, hey, that sounds like fun. I think I'll get in on that. All right? Let this serve as a warning to you. If you know something's wrong, 
everybody seems to be doing it, you may want to consider not to follow that crowd, okay? Because you, you've heard there, oh, everybody's doing it. Really? Just because everybody's doing it, does that make it right? No, it doesn't. And Herod's gonna, Herod is going to learn that lesson later on down this chapter. But by now, Peter has been arrested several times. This was nothing new, all right? And by now, he had gotten used to it. All right, let's think about this for a second, okay? Um, I might have mentioned before that I served in the Marine Corps, okay? In case you didn't know, I've got my... The, the, the Department of Defense asked veterans on, on patriotic holidays to wear whatever they have left. I cannot fit into my blues, but I can at least fit into my ribbons, so that's a good thing. But one of the things that I told Stephen when he joined the Marine Corps, as things were starting to get difficult, I would say, get used to it. Get used to it, because it's going to happen. And oh, by the way, this is the first time something happened? Get used to that, because it's going to happen again, Okay. In fact, you might have even seen these T-shirts that some veterans wear. It says, embrace the suck. Okay? Because that, and that's what, that was a mantra of ours in the military. Embrace the suck. Get used to it. It's going to happen again. Okay? So understand something here. Peter had, by now is used to it. And I'm going to point that out in just a moment. So uh, verse 4 says, after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Okay, this sounds familiar. Public trial after the Passover, let's please the crowd. Okay, remember a year ago, Herod and Pilate were bitter enemies until they kept passing Jesus back and forth like a hot potato, and next thing you know, they're best buds. So Herod was used to this, and by now, Peter is used to getting arrested. But what is a squad? Can anybody, does anybody know how many people are in a squad? Okay. I got a graphic up here. All right. Now, if you count, okay, let's do a Marine Corps count. Okay. It's 13. Now, in this case, it's actually going to be 14. I didn't get the newest graphic that, that, that was released because you got an assistant squad leader. Okay. So each of these groups here, you got a fire team. Okay, and the fire team leader, the grenadier, which, you know, the guy that lobs the grenades or launches them through a grenade, really cool stuff when you want to watch explosions. Um, you got the uh, automatic rifleman. You got the basic rifleman. Okay, now you add to that four squads, four of these groups here, plus you're going to have a platoon sergeant, a medic, an administrative clerk who's going to deal with pay and mail and that sort of thing, and an officer, okay? Um, the most dangerous thing an officer can say is, follow me. But that's just, uh, that's a different story. So you're talking a total of 60 troops to cover one man. Now imagine the platoon sergeant marching them in, left, right, left, right, platoon, halt, left face, fall out. And next thing you know, they're all surrounding Peter in prison. Have you ever seen a prison cell? Can you fit 60 people in there? You can't fit six. All right? So Peter was kept in prison, verse 5. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Okay? The power of man with 60 troops in a cell, binding him in chains. Do we have chains up here? Did you bring chains? You didn't bring chains. All right, don't worry about it. Binding him in chains, and the, the, there's a butt in there. Because the people of God 
knew how to pray. And the people of God knew how to expect miracles. Okay? These people expected miracles to happen. They've witnessed them. They know how to have them. And they also know the God who makes those miracles happen. Now, I got a question for you. Actually, I got two questions. When you pray, do you expect miracles? Do you believe in miracles? I've heard people say, yes, I'm a Christian. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. He saved me from my sin. I'm looking forward to heaven. I just don't believe in miracles. What? Why don't you believe in miracles if you believe in God? Okay? Breathe. You just experienced a miracle. Okay? How is it, how is it that your heart is beating without God making it happen? So, yes, I believe in miracles. I expect them. So here they are. They're praying. So you've got two major forces going against each other, the forces of man and the forces of God. Verse 6, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Let me stop there. I'm not going to ask if anybody has been to prison. But I'm imagining that if I've been arrested, I'm not going to get much sleep. I got a bunch of soldiers around me. I got other prisoners saying, oh, we got a new guy. I've got, I've got the possibility of facing death at the hands of a wicked king the next day. I don't think I'm going to get much sleep. Peter is out cold. Why? Because he is at peace with God. He figured, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die. I will die for the cause of Christ, and I'm ready. And if not, I might as well get a little rest. So why not? All right, continuing on. Suddenly, verse 7, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, and the angel t- told him. Verse 9, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening, though he, was seeing, he thought he was seeing a vision. Carly, come on, come on up here. Come on up, Freddie. One of my many children. Now... Does anybody here snore? Okay. Uh, there, there's that one hymn, um, Onward Christian Soldiers, talks about Hell's Foundation Quiver. When I snore, it's Hell's Foundation Quiver, okay? But when I'm asleep and somebody wants to wake me up, say hi, Freddie. Say hi, Freddie. No, you're not going to say hi. When I'm, when I'm asleep and I'm out cold and the kids try to wake me, here's what happens. Go ahead and wake me up. <laughs> Thank you. Now, if I try to wake up the kids, it's not me. I am up. I am moving. I am flailing. I, oh, and the other day, it, oh, it was bad. But that happens, okay? I'm out cold. I want my sleep. And oh, by the way, go, speaking on the, the whole thing about rest, okay, one of the reasons I don't watch NFL, actually, the only reason I don't watch NFL is because Sunday afternoons, I like to be snorizontal. Okay? That's me. You want to watch the NFL? Go right ahead. 
but I like my rest, okay? So here is Peter having to, he's, he's so much in God's peace, and he's so resting that he is out cold that he has to be struck by an angel. Imagine that. He was so used to being there, he had made himself comfortable. Took off his cloak, took off his shirt, took off his sandals, and settled in for the night. That's some pretty amazing stuff when you think about it. He was so used to it. He was ready. He said, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some rest, guys. You guys uh, do whatever you're going to do, okay? But notice how he made himself comfortable. Notice also... It doesn't mention what the soldiers were doing. It's likely that they were asleep, other than just the two that were at his side. Okay? And oh, by the way, for a soldier to be asleep at watch is punishable. In this day and age, it's not punishable by death. But in Peter's day and age, it was. Imagine that. Verse 10, they passed the first and second guards... Two sets of guards? That's some pretty miraculous stuff. Again, you're talking 60 troops all over the place. You're passing up all these other troops on your way out the door, and nothing is happening. Imagine that. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. I got news for you. I would not be so philosophical if that happened to me. I'd be running along down the street. I'd come to myself and I'm going, Cool. <laughs> that was fun. I don't want to do that again, but that sure was a blast. I mean, gates opening in front of you? I know what some of you are thinking, the, the, the Star Wars nerds out there like Kevin, use the force. No. And oh, by the way, do you know who opened the gate? I got news for you. It was not God's angel. Angels are messengers. It was the power of the Holy Spirit working through Peter. Okay? Let's understand that. Let's make sure we understand that clearly. The miracles of God happen through you. You lay your hands on the sick and they recover. That is a miracle of God, not brought by an angel, but brought through you. You are a vessel of God's outpouring. And you have more power than you think. It is not power to use for yourself. It is power for God's glory to say, let's heal this person. Let's free someone from bondage. Let's do something miraculous because we expect miracles. And if we expect miracles and we believe in miracles, all we have to do is say, God, let's have a miracle. In fact, here's the thing that I find really amazing about this passage. Man's best efforts are no match for God. Not your best attempt at being good. Not your best attempt at being bad. Not chains on your hands and feet. Not the locks on the gates. Not a full platoon of soldiers standing around you. And not even the soldiers at the tomb of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In fact, let's think about this, about another miracle. Why was the tomb rolled away? 
Was it to let people look in or was it to let Jesus out? It wasn't to let Jesus out. I got news for you. Jesus was already free. It was to let people (laughs) come and see. Angels sitting on top saying, take a look, check it out. Pretty neat, huh? God did that. All right? So understand that the power of God is more powerful than anything you can imagine, and it is at your command. When you are in God's love, when you are standing in His will, the power of miracles are at your command. If you don't believe me, just keep reading through Acts. If you don't believe me, keep reading through Paul's epistles. And, you know, and that's another thing. People, we, we'll go through this more some more in other days, but pe- Paul's walking by people. They get into his shadow and they're healed. That's how much power you have too. Verse 12, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance And a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. Now, this is where I'm going to tell you I'm going to be different than Peter, too. Because I am not going to knock on the door. All right? I grew up in the 70s. I'm going to rush in there like the Kool-Aid man. Oh, yeah! I'm breaking down some walls. And I'm saying, here we are! Isn't it a good thing that I wasn't Peter? Because that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. But instead... We have the scenario of Sir Paul McCartney. Someone's knocking at the door. Somebody's ringing the bell. Do me a favor, open the door and let him in. Wow, that's genius. Let's write that down and make a song. Hey, it's number one. But I got news for you. Someone was knocking at the door. Now, when she recognized Peter's voice, this is Rhoda here, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Now, there's so much, I'm going to use a Jeffism, there's so much to unpack here. But think about this. Rhoda, I'm telling you, she is one of the more underrated saints mentioned in Scripture. What she did, though, was a mistake, but not, all right? How many of you have gotten flustered in the past, excited, over, and and the world is not working for you at that point? Now, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm sure my wife will not mind because she's told this story many times. When I came back from my first deployment and I, I, I arrived in Hawaii where I was stationed, she was in Florida living with my parents at the time in, in Orange Park. I picked up, I made a beeline for the first phone I could find because I hadn't talked to her over the phone in six months. And I called her, hey, I'm back in the States. I'll be there in a week and a half and then we're going to get married. And she was excited as a young bride should be. Because she was making all the local arrangements. I was making other arrangements like plane tickets and honeymoon and stuff like that. She was doing things like the catering and the chapel at the base and all this other stuff, invitations. And 
basically we were working in, in conjunction with each other, but, but mostly by letter. So here it is. She's heard my voice for the first time in six months, and she just cannot function the way most people would. Of course, a lot of brides, I know, don't function very well leading up to their wedding either. At one point, she was so confounded, as after she poured her bowl of raisin bran, she put the milk in the cupboard, she put the raisin bran in the refrigerator. Good thing my dad was watching, and he said, uh, Mary, take a look at what you just did. That's going to happen. So Rhoda is sitting there, oh, it's Peter. Should I answer the door? Ah, let's go tell her. Wait a minute. Who would not be? You're praying for a miracle. It's happening. You're witnessing it for yourself. You're excited about it. You want to tell everybody, but you, you need to open the door too. So telling everybody, one, she goes over to them, and they're going, ah, oh, you're out of your mind. What? People, you prayed for this. You begged for it. You got everybody together so quickly, you didn't even bother to bring the casserole dishes, and you said, come on, let's pray for Peter. And there he is, knocking at the door. Oh, you're out of your mind. Really? <laughs> See, and this happens to us, doesn't it? You get what you want. You got it good and hard, and you still don't believe it. <laughs> it happens. I get it. But they begged for it. Now, here's the simplified gathering. Everybody prays, God, please release Peter. Please let him go. And God says, okay. <laughs> what? That's it? Well, I got news for you. Sometimes that's all you have to do is ask. In fact, what did James say? You do not have because you do not ask. Now, there are times when you have to, as some Pentecostals would say, pray through. There are other times when all you have to do is invoke the name of Jesus Christ and you have gotten through. So when you have gotten through and the answer comes and the miracle arrives, be happy for it. I, I, I remember one day, I'm, I'm, I'm a young Marine, I'm working on the F-4 Phantom. I got my little Phantom pin right there that my dad gave me. And the bomb rack in the middle of the airplane between the two engines you're, you're basically sit, you're kneeling down underneath the airplane, everything like this, and you're, everything, you're through these panels and doors, and you, it's almost as if you have eyes on, on your fingertips because that's the only way you can see. And I'm having trouble getting this bomb rack reinstalled. I'm, and it's midnight shift, so there's barely anybody there. And I cry out on a flight line in Hawaii, God, I could really use some help here. Thunk. Thanks. <laughs> That's what happened. I just, I said, I could use some help here, and it, it worked. And you know what? I didn't say, oh, that was lucky, or I got it aligned, or I did it my, no. I thank God that I got it to work, because it was, if it wasn't for God, I'd have still been out there. In fact, I'd probably still be out there, even though they've retired to plane many years ago. Okay? So, but they, but they got what they wanted, and they got it good and hard. Because, again, how can you overcome Four squads of soldiers, iron gates, chains, and a sleeping Peter to get what you want. Well, it's got to be the power of God. It's got to be a miracle. And these were people who were witnessing miracles day by day. They were praying for miracles. They were seeing them happen. And, of course, most of these by now, these people had already known Jesus Christ and had seen him alive. Mm. 
So Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the, other, and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And he left them for another place. In the meantime, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had happened to Peter. The soldiers knew that they were dead men. They might have thought, well, you know, those that guarded his boss, they weren't put to death. I wonder if we'll get that kind of mercy. No. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then Herod went to Judea from Caesarea and stayed there. Now, I'm not going to go through the rest of this. I'm going to let Kevin podcast these last few verses because he's got some stuff he wants to fill in, and I don't want to take up too much time. But let's understand that um, there are some lessons to be learned in this passage. And the first one is, do not become complacent to the wondrous works of God. Okay? I got news for And this is something I find just, every time I think about this, it, it just really boggles my mind, okay? I am no philosopher. I am no doctor. I have no PhD except a post-hole digger, okay? I'm no scientist. But think of the earth that God created as a giant washing machine constantly recycling itself with the air and the water and the minerals and, and all the things that happen. We've got a beautiful earth that he put us upon and gave us stewardship over to care for it well. But isn't it beautiful that the miracle of a tilted axis and rotating around a sun causes the earth to constantly clean and wash and recycle itself? I can get more into that another time. So nature, daily living, divine provision, okay? How many of you have a bank account that you know is secure, okay? How many of you have a, a checkbook and a paycheck and all those things? God provides for you. How about that escape from danger? How many of you were driving down the highway and the accident that should have happened because you left 10 minutes late happened ahead of you. You're stuck in traffic, but you're not stuck in the wreck. Okay? Think of those things. Even your borrowed breath. Okay? Every breath you have is borrowed from God Almighty. If you don't believe me, look at Genesis 2.7. The Lord God breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living soul. He did that with no other creature. Yes, they breathe, but none of them are living souls. Another lesson is never discount anyone's account of God's working in their lives. They may seem small and simple, but can be miraculous to others. Okay? Now, one of my children is severely autistic, Gabriel. He was potty trained at the age of 12. 12. So, at the age of 12, when he decides he's going to run into the restroom and do his business without being prompted and, and without making a mess of things, guess what? In my house, that was a miracle. And those of you who don't know special needs kids, you might think, oh, well, it's about time. No, it's not about time. Except God's timing, and he finally did that. Those little things can mean a great deal. So when somebody tells you, my 12-year-old just went potty by himself, 
celebrate with them. I'm serious. And I, you know, so if somebody says, God gave me a beautiful brand new TV, I've never had one before, you may think, oh yeah, you're materialistic. No. They've been dealing with those big monster console TVs that take 600 pound people to move. But they finally got that flat panel and it looks nice. You know what? Celebrate with them. Those are good things. Let's also bear in mind not to be too harsh on Rhoda, okay? Because she was caught in the excitement of the expectation and the actual event. And she was the messenger, the angel, if you will, to let everybody know, but still had to open the door. Don't be too harsh on her, because how many of you have had your Rhoda moment? Okay? And also, don't be too harsh on the others. Because how many of you have written off somebody's account of a miracle? Well, you're out of your mind. Guilty. Okay? I mean, I'm always out of my mind, so I can identify with people. But I also understand nowadays that there are times when they are recounting a miracle that happened. You may not believe it, but they do. And if they do, then let them have that miracle. Do not, do not quench the Spirit of God through that. And finally, don't be too harsh on yourself either. Because I would imagine that over the year since uh, Peter denied Jesus, I would imagine that he had been beating himself up a lot. Yes, Jesus forgave him. And yes, they had that tender moment after the resurrection, that feed my sheep moment. But I, I still can't help but think that there are times when, yes, you've been forgiven of your sin, but you're still beating yourself up over it. Don't do that. Don't be too harsh on yourself either because there are times when those miracles of, the, of even just the forgiveness of sin will allow you to reach out to others to get them that forgiveness that they need, to let their chains fall off of them, to let them run free knowing the angels have awoken them. So let those moments in your life be that for someone else that they can be free as well. Stand with me. Father God, we thank you for Rhoda. We thank you for Peter. We thank you for the lesson that you've taught us through the Gospels and through Acts, which is just that continuation of what Jesus said was going to happen. Lord, let your word find its lodging place in our hearts that you, Lord, may be glorified in everything we do. And so that we can see the miracles and rejoice in them, be they big or small, because no miracle is too small for you or too big for you. We thank you for it all in Jesus' name.